time keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And today is Wednesday, February 15th, 2023. The Feast of Blessed Jordan of Saxony. Jordan of Saxony was a Dominican preacher in the 13th century who was known for his personal gifts and energy that left those he encountered somehow different. He possessed an extraordinary spiritual gift that helped the Dominican order to grow quickly in its infancy and continues to gather strength from his enthusiasm. Jordan was able to carry out the dream that St. Dominic had only begun before his death. He had a tremendous respect for the young and their desire to give themselves to something great and had a selfless love for Jesus Christ, which gave him the drive to preach, spend his time with the young, and pour himself out in the building tasks required in a growing religious order. Jordan met an untimely death at the age of 47, but his message is relevant today as it is the secret of deep and personal friendship with Christ a friendship which cannot be contained, but sets the world on fire. Blessed Jordan of Saxony, pray for us. And good morning to you. I hope your week has kicked off with a great start. We're halfway through the week, and we're almost to the weekend. It's time to gather your wits and get your second wind so you survive the rest of the week. I want to know what you did yesterday for your uh, for say Valentine's Day. I want to. I'm very curious to know what y'all were up to, and I know what I did was I went to go visit my grandma. I brought her uh, my mom's statue of Lady Fatima and uh, got her some flowers, and then I went to school. I went to University of Saint Thomas for some class, and that was very enjoyable. Uh, but in your charity, please pray for my great grandmother as she is 90 years old, ripe old age, and uh, if you could pray for her that she be prepared for her death that could come at any moment. Also, on a very, very important note, I uh, lost my my missile, and if you could find that, not like the missile at the F-15s shot at the spy balloon, not that that kind of missile, Uh, a Latin mass missile, a 1962 Angeles Press missile, I had lost it, and it has some very sentimental photos in it. So if you would pray to St. Anthony for me that I find that missile, I'd be very grateful. Uh, also, one other thing is that this Lent, you know, we live in difficult times. Life is very confusing. People are saying things that sound crazy. So we need to know the faith. It's our responsibility as Catholics to know the faith. So during Lent this year, if you are on the GRN uh, Catholic Drive Time Telegram chat, we're going to go through the Aquinas Catechism together so you and I will better know the faith. So how do you join the Telegram chat? Well, you have until Ash Wednesday. You have to go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and, and sign up for our email list. On the email list until Ash Wednesday, that means this is the last week. Uh, you can find the link to that Telegram chat in our email and that's the only way to find it starting on Ash Wednesday. I'm locking it down. No one gets to join until Easter. So if you want to be in on the Aquinas Catechism study with the CDT team, you're going to want to do that. Uh, but good morning to you, Tito and Rudy. What, are you, what did y'all do for Valentine's Day? Good morning, uh, Rudy. Good morning, Adrian. 
I took my wife out for some ice cream after work. Uh, mm. <clears throat> she's a bit under the weather, so we really didn't get to do much. But we wanted to signify it and uh, and uh, reflect on St. Valentine. And, and so we did that. We, we did actually do something for St. Valentine's Day, but we did the, all our dancing Saturday night at another celebration. Nice. nice. Tito, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? Chocolate. Chocolate. Mm. Yes, sir. No oh, hesitation. No, no yeah. just jumped into that. <laughs> Very good. What about you, Rudy? Oh, we didn't really do much. We usually uh, go out the weekend after because it's less busy. So uh, this weekend we'll go out. And also, by that time, hopefully I'll be over this cold. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, the the whole uh, Valentine. I went to go get flowers, and there were just lines and lines for the flowers. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I guess people really do uh, go get uh, flowers for, for Valentine's Day. You didn't listen to my advice, did you? Uh, what was your advice? Go to Trader Joe's. Go to Trader Joe's. No, I went to Kroger. Uh, it was pretty, pretty not too bad in Kroger. They had, uh, it wasn't too packed. It was definitely more in other places. As I was driving by, I started seeing, you know, those pop-up tents. And some of them had, like, lines, like, just wrapped around the tent. And this was at, like, 2 o'clock. I can't even imagine wow. what it was like at, like, 5 o'clock. Whenever the dad's coming home from work and he's stopping by, he's like, oh, I forgot the flowers. Uh, so... Let me know. I'm very curious if you did something for Valentine's Day or are going to do something for Valentine's Day this weekend. Let me know. Uh, comment down below if you're watching online. And if you're in the Telegram chat, you can send us a chat there. Otherwise, uh, you, if you're listening on the radio, uh, whenever you are able, check us out online. Check out our, our social media streams, YouTube, Facebook, Odyssey, Rumble, and you can interact with us directly. Well, at 15 past the hour, there are a lot of stories as usual. There, Disney is having an LGBT pride concert. That's pretty cool, right? Uh, we're going to talk about that. Yale professor encourages suicide. Well, I guess that's not as surprising as it should be, but it, that is the case, and we're going to talk about it. Also, aliens? Hmm. We might talk about that if we have time. At 30 past the hour, an Augustinian friar, Brother Martin, will be on to discuss prepping for Lent. What are the traditional practices of Lent and how to prepare for Ash Wednesday? In the next hour, we're going to be talking about why the ivory towers of the education system matter more than you think. And a lot of people like to say, oh, who cares with the, what's going on in the universities? It's just ivory tower thinking. We're going to talk about that. Is that an accurate view of what the world is like? Uh, let's begin with prayer. Let's pray for those souls that are in Ohio those are people who are experiencing the uh, horrible uh, train derailments all over the country, the chemical uh, spreadings all over the place, and what is that, Utah? Uh, all these different different places that are having these horrible things. Let's pray for those intentions. We'll pray for your intentions as well, whatever it is that you want us to pray for. I'm offering up this prayer for that intention. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Good morning, everyone. Today is Wednesday, February 15th, 2023, and these are your headlines for today. 
Tyler Arnold of Catholic News Agency reports South Dakota bans trans drugs, sex change surgery for minors. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem signed legislation that will prohibit doctors from prescribing drugs or performing surgeries on minors that are intended to transition the child into a gender that is different from his or her sex. Kevin J. Jones of Catholic News Agency reports imprisoned Nicaraguan bishop deserves U.S. support, religious freedom advocates say. The U.S. government must seek the release of Nicaragua's Bishop Rolando Alvarez Lagos, sentenced to 26 years in prison for religious freedom advocacy. That is the urgent message from the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. Bishop Alvarez was among nearly a dozen Catholic clergy and lay leaders arrested or imprisoned in 2022. Courtney Mares of Catholic News Agency reports the beatification date announced for the married for married couple with seven children martyred by Nazis. The beatification date has been announced for Joseph and Victoria Uma and their seven children who were killed by the Nazis for hiding a Jewish family in their home in Poland. And finally, Vatican News reports following Pope Francis's appeal, the Pontifical Mission Societies are mobilizing their networks of missionary priests, religious sisters, laymen and women, and launching a special collection to aid survivors of the 7 February earthquake in Turkey and northwest Syria. The Catholic missionary organizations, also known as Missio, include the Society for the Propagation of the Faith, the Society of St. Peter the Apostle, the Holy Childhood Association, and the Missionary Union of Priests and Religious. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. The Gospel of the Day is from Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26. So they came to Bethsaida, and they brought to him a blind man whom they entreated him to touch. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Then he spat into his eyes and laid his hands on him and asked him if he could see anything. He looked up and said, I can see men as if they were trees, but walking. Once more, Jesus laid hands upon his eyes and he began to see right. And soon he recovered so that he could see everything clearly. Then he sent him back to his house. Go home, he said, and if thou shouldst enter into the village, do not tell anyone of it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The commentary of the today comes from Cornelius Lapidae. He said, by taking the blind man by the hand, he led him out of the town outside Bethsaida. It is plain from verse 22 that he led him forth for the same reason that when he was about to heal the deaf and dumb man, he took him aside for the multitude. That was first for the sake of prayer, that being alone, he might collect his thoughts and unite himself wholly to God and pray more intensely and collectively. So this is a great advice for you and I. Maybe we should set ourselves aside and not try to pray amongst the the bustle of life. Now, obviously, if that's the only situation you're in, you should pray always, right? But if we are trying to focus on our prayer, we need to set aside a space, set aside some area where we can collect our thoughts and unite ourselves wholly to God. Secondly, to fly from the applause of men and to teach us to do the same. Third, because the citizens of Bethsaida were unworthy of the miracle of Christ, for although they had seen him work so many miracles, they would not believe him. 
This next point that Cornelius Lapide makes here I thought was really funny, so I had to include it here just because I thought it was uh, amusing. He said, laid his hands, i.e. when he had placed his hands upon the eyes of the blind man and again removed them. For that is improbable what the scholastic, what the scholiast in St. Chrysostom says, that the blind man saw people when Christ's hands were over his eyes. For this would have been a new and uncalled for miracle. So basically what he's saying here is, some people thought that he was seeing through the hands of, of Christ. So Christ put his hands on his eyes, and he was seeing through his hands, and that's what, had, what was being depicted there. Uh, Cornelius Lapidus is saying, no, it's implied that he puts his hands over his eyes and then removes them. And so I was like, that's hilarious, because I never would have even considered that as a possibility, he says, for this would have been a new and uncalled for miracle. Like the healing of the blind is, is good enough. We don't need to add more miracles to it. Uh, so he continues saying, and looking up, he said, I see men as it were trees walking for much as to say, I see something obscurely and confusedly for I see men walking, but in a way that I cannot distinguish whether they are men or trees, just as it happens to ourselves, says Bede. When we see people at a great distance, we can only distinguish men from trees by their motion, because men walk, but trees do not. The word walking must be referred to men, not to trees, that is plain by the Greek. The word walking in Latin text, however, might refer to the trees in this sense. I see men, as it were, trees split, and therefore two-footed, and so walking. The blind men, therefore, as yet in darkness, see men, as it were, through a mist and a cloud, in which they appeared greater than they really were, as it might be as thick and tall as trees, as by means of magnifying glasses, letters appear larger than they are in reality. So he's saying that's what it literally meant. And then tropologically, or you might say mystically, Christ wanted to teach us that sinners and unbelievers are gradually illuminated by God, and in most cases, that God gives us little, little bits of grace to bring us into fuller and fuller knowledge of the truth. And so you can look at your own life and do kind of a spiritual examination of your life and say, where has God progressed me? We have progressed in the spiritual life. And if we have not progressed, that's something that we should note, something that we should look at and say, okay, what am I doing wrong? Maybe I should pray for the grace that I advance in the spiritual life so that I'm not just seeing trees, but I can actually see men. This is something to meditate upon today, something that we can think about, especially with the coming season of Lent, where this is assinuated and we should meditate more acutely. But coming up in the next segment, we're going to be talking about Disney having uh, pride concerts. Yikes. It's your conscience here again. You know you want it. I'm talking, of course, about the 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. And on Friday, February 24th, it could be all yours if your name is drawn. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Tickets are $25 each or five for 100. So what are you waiting for? 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, on to praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the Angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and today is Wednesday. You made it. It's halfway through the week. Almost there. Just a little bit longer. Got to get that second wind in and take it, take that wind all the way to the weekend. It'll be great. It'll be great. I promise. The for a couple stories are very concerning and I wanted to talk about. Let's start with this one first. A Yale professor under fire for suggesting mass suicide of Japanese elderly would ease economic burden. Yikes. He says, quote, I feel like the only solution is pretty clear. Mm, yikes. Okay, so let me read this article to you. It's published by LifeSite News. It says that the, the mass suicide of the elderly is the only solution for an aging population. Yusuke Narita says, in the end, isn't it mass suicide and mass seppuku of the elderly, he added, referring to the ritualistic suicide by disembowelment historically used by samurai and other Japanese to restore honor for themselves or their families. According to the Times, in one interview, Narita went so far as to predict that there will be a discussion about the possibility of making euthanasia mandatory in the future. Columnist Masato Fujisaki argued in Newsweek Japan that Narita's remarks should not be easily taken as a metaphor, and the professor's fans are people who think that old people should just die already and social welfare should be cut. Honor suicides have historically been practiced not only by samurai and soldiers, but by ordinary Japanese citizens. Yasunari warned, if euthanasia is legalized, there is a real danger of patients being pressured into choosing anarashuki out of deference to their families and society, a risk made even greater by the lack of laws laying out the rights of patients. Now, this is... Very concerning because uh, that word, and I'm probably butchering all these Japanese words just for the record. Uh, anaraka, anarakushi is a term that refers to euthanasia, but apparently it's ambiguous enough in Japanese that it can often be conflated with natural death. And so some people, their uh, life side is arguing, is saying they support this, thinking that they're saying they're supporting natural death, but they're actually saying they support euthanasia unbeknownst to themselves. I don't know enough Japanese or any Japanese to be able to uh, to articulate that, but uh, I think this is very concerning. Tito, what are your thoughts? That's exactly what my thoughts are. That's very concerning. This illogical uh, conclusion of our culture is coming to this point where 
this this kind of uh, rhetoric, uh, I, these type of ideas are coming out into the mainstream in Yale by by this uh, gentleman. And I want to add, uh, I I do know some Japanese, and I understand how to uh, correctly pronounce the words. You did it correctly. Hey, and nice. Very intelligibly. Any Japanese speaking person out there would would recognize those words. Uh, but back to some seppuku and harakiri. These guys, uh, this professor, you can't blame him. This is the, this is somebody who grew up in that culture of ours, Western culture, educated, and and that's just a natural conclusion. It, it's, it reflects uh, many prominent professors out here in America as well. And just killing off the old people, wow. That that uh, especially coming from uh, a Japanese man, where where uh, family is is very uh, valued, highly valued. So there's not much else to add, but just pray for this guy and and all the other professors that are pushing this line in the, those ivory towers. Yeah, it's interesting to me because you know Japan is one of those countries that never became Catholic. There was uh, spots of Catholicism there. Maximilian Kolbe uh, went to Japan and he set up a monastery there. The Jesuits made it to Japan and they were killed in mass. A few Dominicans came to Japan. There's the Japanese martyrs who were Dominicans there. But ultimately, the Dominicans, the Franciscans, and the Jesuits all failed in converting Japan. And there is actually the largest population of Catholics in Japan was in Nagasaki, which got bombed during World War II, you know, the great atomic bomb. Uh, that killed most of the Catholics in Japan. So now they are almost entirely secular. They still have um, more, they're more pagan than they are anything else. But most of them are just complete secularist. Yes, the, they're as close to being secular, uh, a very efficient secular society as can be. Their population is in decline. Of all the advanced economies, they are they are leading the world in uh, in not reproducing. Uh, right behind them are the Chinese, which should be surpassing them within the next ten or twenty years. They have lost the will to live. And and you're right. Uh, Nagasaki was the largest Catholic city in in uh, in Japan. It was founded by the Portuguese and a flourishing Catholic life when Catholicism was finally legalized again in Japan. And uh, Maximilian Kobe going over there. I, I have a. You've heard of the story of of the survivors. From, yes, yes, the Jesuit survivors. The Jesuit survivors. They were all praying the rosary when the bomb dropped on them. But uh, getting back to Japan, we need to pray for them. The I, the irony is, is Our Lady of Akita appeared there in, in an, uh, one of the prefectures in southern Japan, and and uh, forewarning us of what is happening now in this day and age. And I, I think Japan is, is on the cusp, maybe in the next generation, or hopefully by the end of this decade, that the Catholicism will grow be, because there's just so much death and despair. And what I mean by death is nobody looks forward to the future. Nobody, yeah. the, these, these grandparents and parents don't have children and grandchildren to look after them. And, and uh, unbeknownst to us, or, or at least people reading the news, there is a high suicide rate among the elderly because of loneliness. So we need to pray for the conversion of Japan. Well, here's, here's my concern with what you're saying there, is that, yes, I think that uh, the answer to Jap the Japanese problem is the Catholic faith. And I think it would be very, very attractive to the Japanese people uh, in their current circumstance. However, 
the Catholic faith in Japan is awful. Uh, when I was in, I went to Japan maybe six, five years ago, five, six years ago. And when I did, I went to go find a Catholic mass and their masses were just horrible. Just, they, it was like, it was so bad. And from my understanding, I was talking to different people, the Japanese people there about the Catholic faith, and most of them don't really know anything about it. The the, the Catholics there don't evangelize. They don't get involved. Um, I was very disappointed. And so, you know, it, it should be a perfect opportunity for mission territory. Uh, we need a, a Max Colby to go to Japan again. Where are those people today? Where are those saints who are going to try to change the world and this topic of seppuku i think is interesting too because you know there is at least there there's an idea of honor there and there's an idea that you know i'm old i am i've lived my life i'm going to sacrifice my life for the young you know that's wrong because you should never murder yourself that's always a a grave sin you should never do that but the on the flip side it is interesting, though, that their, their honor culture of Japan is so much so that, that old people are, some old people are willing to do this, and they're willing to sacrifice themselves. Do we have that culture in America today? Maybe not. Obviously, we don't want people killing themselves, but do people, we have a culture where people are willing to sacrifice themselves, when we, willing to run into a burning building to save other people? I feel like we're going more and more where everyone is self-interested. They care there's more selfishness and not so many people that are wanting to give up things for other people, willing, willingness to suffer. I, I think it's very concerning. Yes, it's, it's reflective in, in the young people today. There's this term called dinks, uh, dual income, no kids, people uh, mm -hmm. getting together, marrying or not marrying, and uh, they love the fact of living together, not having kids, and taking 10 or 20 vacations and buying all the goodies that they want to buy on Amazon and so this this idea of, of selflessness, of wanting to give yourself up to, to the other, of having children, of taking care of your parents, a lot of that is gone. Yes, it's to, the honor of, of people dying for their wives and, and girlfriends, uh, uh, sacrificing themselves for the be for betterment of the family. That's still there, but it's not predominant as it was back a generation ago. Yeah, the other thing, um, just you mentioned the the Jesuits who who survived the bombing. They, I actually did a video on that with America Needs Fatima. You should check that out. I did uh, just go to America Needs Fatima YouTube channel, and you can find that video where I talk about that story. But uh, let's jump into this story in just a little time we have left. Uh, Disney teams up with activist LGBTQ choir for family-friendly pride concert. There's no such thing as a family-friendly pride concert, just for the record. Uh, less than two years ago, after the San Francisco Gay Men's Choir posted a video in which members sing about coming for your children, the group has announced it will partner with Disney concerts to present two performances at San Francisco's Disney Pride in concert in March. We'll convert your children, happening bit by bit, quietly and subtly. You will barely notice it, the chorus members sing. Face your fate. You are just frightened. You think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked. Funny, just this once, you are correct. Uh, that's some lines from the song that the uh, LGBT gay men's choir uh, sang at their, when they were two years ago with their concert that kind of made headlines. That's the same choir that Disney is hiring to do a Pride concert for them. Uh, 
Latoya Ravanoa, an executive producer for Disney, said in a video released last March that she was surprised by how welcoming Disney was to her not-at-all-secret gay agenda. Our leadership over there has been so welcoming, she said, attempts at her at her attempts at adding queerness into shows. Are you still showing Disney to your kids? The Disney concert isn't the only activism which San Francisco Gay Men's Choir takes part in. The group regularly uses drag competitions, including one titled Drag Me to St. Francis to fundraise. Why are they always mentioning Catholic stuff and saints? Uh, and to that point, listen to this. The Gay Men's Choir of South Florida is also performing two Disney Pride concerts. They posted a video yesterday, uh, just days ago, a YouTube video of it celebrating the holidays in the Christmas program when they performed Hallelujah from Handel's Messiah. While men stand in the front of the course, some with full beards, wearing nun habits. Ticketing venue asks that children under two not be brought to the concert, which implies that kids over the age of two are invited to the concert that is very very disturbing and why is it that these drag queens and all these different things always come after the catholic faith i've never heard of them dressing up as you're a baptist preacher or things like that or a mormon it's just it's simply disgusting things like this at at disney is not new i remember when i being first appalled of learning of of gay pride parades in in atlanta and Disney was celebrating it by offering a gay day, but it was not publicized to the public. It was just given to the gay community at large. And families, parents, mothers, and, and fathers are complaining to, to Disney staff over there of, of having to witness uh, acts, simulated acts of, of depravity in front of their children, and the staff didn't do anything. It's so, been going on for a long time. What's the answer to the to the problem? Well, get rid of Disney, for one. Stop with Disney. Sacrifice it. Instead, think about maybe taking your kids out to see Handel's Messiah not done by drag queens. Take your kids out to see authentic culture. How about Shakespeare? Things like that. I think that would be a great start. Coming up, we're going to talk about Lent. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 A.D., 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed in a church down the street. 
Hey Sita, how do you ask, do you love Catholic radio in German? Liebst du das katholische Radio? How about support it by purchasing car raffle tickets for a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250? Unterstütze es mit dem Kauf eines Tickets, mit dem du einen 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250 gewinnen kannst. Hmm, okay. How about get yours at grnonline.com forward slash raffle? Kauf eins auf grnonline.com forward slash raffle. Thank you. I needed that for a PSA. Cool. When are you recording it? Right now. Oh. Danke. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Wednesday, February 15th, and these are your headlines for today. Peter Pinedo of Catholic News Agency reports Air- Atlanta Airport gets a 24-7 Eucharistic chapel. Archbishop Gregory Hartmeyer of Atlanta dedicated and blessed his archdiocese's newest chapel while on his way to catch a flight Monday. Airline workers and travelers flying through the busiest airport in the world can now spend time in the real presence of Christ thanks to the efforts of the Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport's chaplains and the cooperation of the Archdiocese of Atlanta. Courtney Mares of Catholic News Agency reports Nigeria's newest cardinal shares secret behind the highest mass attendance in the world. A recent study found that 94% of Nigeria's 30 million Catholics say they attend Mass at least weekly or more, while only 17% of American Catholics attend Mass weekly. Cardinal Okapaleke of Nigeria said that he believes the traditional worldview, the role of the family, and a sense of community within parishes have kept Nigerians close to the sacraments generation after generation. Devin Watkins of Vatican News reports Pope Francis continued his catechesis series on the passion of evangelizing, apostolic zeal, at the Wednesday General Audience. At the weekly General Audience, Pope Francis reflects on the Christian proclamation of God's nearness and urges us to draw strength from our relationship with Jesus in order to preach the gospel together in meekness. And finally, John Berger of Alatea reports a major shrine honoring the first Native American martyr to be dedicated in Oklahoma. Stanley Rother was a farmer from Okarchi, Oklahoma, who became a priest and served as a missionary in Guatemala. In 1981, Father Rother was murdered in his rectory during a violent civil war. In 2016, Pope Francis declared him a martyr for the faith, the first recognized Catholic martyr from America. He was beatified in 2016 in Oklahoma City. On Friday, the $50 million Shrine and Pilgrim Center will be dedicated to the memory of Blessed Stanley Rother. The site eventually will include a 2,000-seat church, a chapel where Blessed Stanley will be entombed, a museum, Pilgrim Center, education building, and event space, and several areas designated for shrines and devotion. Construction is still ongoing, and the site will be developed over time. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. The Before we jump into our interview, I want to just remind you, we're actually giving away a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250 in polar white. Uh, you can win that by going to grnonline.com and purchase raffle tickets. You can, uh, their tickets are one, uh, one ticket for $25 or five for $100. And if you really want to support the GRN, make sure you contact your local general manager and purchase directly from him. Tell them Catholic Drive Time sent you and maybe pick up a few tickets and sell them on our behalf. We'd be very grateful to you. 
And one other thing is, you know, we've been talking about how so many things, there's a lot of problems going on in the church today. Um, people are confused about learning the faith. So during Lent, the Catholic Drive Time team is going to actually be going through the uh, Aquinas Catechism. And so we're going to go through that during the season of Lent. And with you to join us, you can join our Telegram chat. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And there you can sign up for our email list. And we will send you the link to our Telegram chat. That's the way to join. And you can. we're going to start on Ash Wednesday. So make sure you join this week. But joining us right now is Brother Martin with the Oblates of St. Augustine. He's on with us to discuss preparing for Lent and how to have a Catholic Lent. Uh, good morning to you, Brother Martin. Good morning, Adrian. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a pleasure. It's all mine. Uh, you know, we're discussing, talking about Lent all week, and I think it's, we talked yesterday about meditations on the cries of Jesus from the cross but we haven't yet talked about actually like getting our mind set for what are we going to be doing this Lent and kind of like what should we do always comes up. I know Father this last Sunday was talking about, well, I know everybody likes to do things like give up chocolate and give up things like this, but maybe you should try fasting this year. And so I wanted to ask you, Brother Martin, one, uh, what is a practice for the Augustinians in terms of how do, the, how do y'all observe Lent, and what? Do, how should we start thinking about getting ready for Ash Wednesday? So our Lent, um, quote-unquote, begins actually Septuagesima Sunday, or shortly thereafter. Septuagesima, I don't know how uh, uh, your, your, your readership, all that kind of stuff, those who listen, uh, if they know what Septuagesima is, but on the traditional calendar, um, Septuagesima kind of it means 70 days. I mean, it's figure, figuratively in the sense that uh, a week isn't 10 days, um, but it means 70 because three weeks prior to Lent, the church kind of uh, wakes us up, get, kind of warns us that, hey, Lent's coming, be, be prepared for Lent. Um, and so in the, in the tr- traditional calendar, traditional Latin mass, the priest actually starts wearing purple um, as of Septuagesima Sunday. So for us, especially as Augustinians, that's kind of uh, go time. It's game time for, for Lent. So from Septuagesima Sunday, we begin the Lenten fast, the one meal a day with one collation. Um, so instead of just doing it for 40 days for, for the for quadragesima, for, for Lent, um, that fasting actually begins Monday right after Septuagesima. Um, additionally, we also abstain from meat on Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, which is also something that traditionally uh, was done during Lent, especially for religious communities. But we also uh, start that uh, as of Septuagesima. So those are the two things that I'm already in right now. Today is a, a meatless Wednesday. Um, and, uh, yeah, one meal a day with, with a collation. All right. And uh, does anything added on uh, starting Ash Wednesday or is it the same thing throughout the entirety of Lent? It's pretty much the same thing throughout the entirety. Um, Yeah, there's there's nothing. Well, also, I forgot another practice that we we typically do is um, usually um, we have conversations during dinner. We, you know, fraternize, you know, talk to each other. But um, when Lent starts, then we go to table readings. So there's no talking um, during our meal together. Um, but right now I'm, I'm, we're listening to the uh, the, the life of Saint Anthony uh, the Great by uh, Saint Athanasius of Alexandria. Oh, wonderful! Um, yeah. Hey, brother, this is uh, Tito Edwards. Nice to speak with you. You mentioned us a, a word there, collation. Could you explain to us what that means to our our listeners, uh, to me as well? Sure. Um, actually, it's it's had different definitions throughout history, but the 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 definition we go by today actually came around 
the 18th century, um, Dom uh, Garen Jay in the liturgical year kind of explains where it came from. Um, usually the, the Benedictines um, ate their meal, their one meal around noontime because they had work to do out in the fields, all that kind of stuff. And actually, um, if you guys know what the divine office is, the liturgy of the hours, Vespers during Lent was actually pushed from evening to actually noon because you weren't allowed to have your one meal until after evening. Um, and so they just moved the, the hours um, of Vespers up till noon so that people could eat their, their meal for the day and then get back to work and have the strength for their work. But the Benedictines monks found that in the actual evening time, they were still very famished. They were, they just, you know, went out and spent all their energy uh, working in the fields and they, they still needed some, some supplements. And so the rule changed to permit them to, to drink wine uh, in the evening to, to regain their strength. And so that's, that's basically what a, what a collation is. Um, today, it's uh, technically two smaller meals that put together don't equal another meal. Um, but previously, it was measured like a, a one quarter of a cup of something. And, and you know, it was very, very, very specific uh, to the point of being something more probably inconvenience for cooks uh, today to actually measure that out for each of their family members or, or whatnot. But a collation is basically a, a, a light snack that together put together with another one um, doesn't equal a second meal. Well, thank you for that, brother. That That's really good to know. And now as far as your one meal, is it traditionally just lunch for us lay people or does it, it doesn't matter? So, yeah, um, I guess theologically, so to speak, it's supposed to be dinner. And I guess depending on where you are in the United States, a, a lunch, you, you call lunch dinner and then dinner supper. So, uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's around the middle of the day. Okay, that's interesting. I always forget, though, that, you know, just being in the South, I always just, uh, I always forget that people uh, have different ideas up, up in, the, in the great white North. But, you know, the other <laughs> thing is, you know, I always, I always liked how the Eastern Catholics look at their religious as the model life and say, okay, that is the ideal. How close to the ideal can I, as a layperson, approach that so what would you recommend to to lay persons uh, to emulate uh, religious during the season of lent i think it's important uh to for that for lay people especially to consider their work obviously um and what they have to do because as i just explained where the modern uh, version of collation came from the benedictines had to use it had to have an adaptation because of their work life because of how busy they were and how uh, aggressive their um their work was, and so there's there's some flexibility in in in, um, in fasting in the sense that you you can't let these things get in the way of your duties. Your duties are important. Your duties in your state of life. Mm-hmm. So it, when it when it comes to I guess fasting in the world, that's that's something also to consider is uh, don't put your, push yourself so into fasting that obvi- obviously you start to become a penance for other people because you're so hungry <laughs> all the time. You know, don't don't make your penances other people's penances as well. Uh, so make sure you're 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 fed in that sense that uh, you're, you're you're good enough to work, but obviously your hunger uh, calls to mind throughout the day that um, there there are higher things, there are more important things to to, to think about. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we are going to go to a break for just a moment, and when we get back, I, I want to discuss some of the spiritual practices that we can also take on uh, as well. You had made a suggestion to me the other day. I sent you a message, and I was like, well, that's a great idea, but also I kind of don't want to do it because it's just a lot. I just got a pure laziness. Uh, We'll talk about that. I'll tell you guys what that was on the other side of this break. So we'll be right back.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. How much havoc would be caused at your church if your pastor brought a big statue of St. Peter or St. Paul and placed them in the sanctuary? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history's on the side of the Catholic Church. Christian art in many forms dates way back to about 120 A.D., and so do those various Christian symbols which we still see today. You know, a dove, a fish, a lamb. Why are those okay? Secondly, the Bible, Exodus, Numbers, and Ezekiel... All these books show God telling Moses, David, or Ezekiel to carve out images of angels that were used in worship. And, and thirdly, a tough comeback, especially for my guy friends. Does Cooperstown, Canton, or Cleveland mean anything to you? Yep, the Hall of Fame locations filled with statues, jerseys, bats, and balls. Memorabilia is a $37 billion industry, but you say, don't bring a statue into my church. Well, how many of you guys have admired one of those bronze statues of an athlete? I'd rather stare at St. Peter's, Paul, and Mary in my church, and I'm not talking about the old folk band. I bet you're wondering to yourself, how can I win a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C? Easy. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Only $25 a ticket or five tickets for $100. The drawing is February 24th, 2023. So, do you feel lucky? Well, do ya? Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and today we're talking to Brother Martin with the Oblates of St. Augustine about preparing for Lent. Uh, before we jump back into that interview, Kim Sunderman sent a message, and I wanted to read it. She said, Adrian, I will come by the radio station today to drop off the car raffle tickets. I need a few more. I sold my envelope of tickets at the Catholic Charismatic Center, 50 tickets. Thanks, GRN. We love supporting you all. Uh, thank you, Kim Sunderman. We appreciate you uh, selling raffle tickets on our behalf. It's uh, a huge help to the radio station and keeping us uh, afloat. So thank you very much to everyone who supports the GRN uh, in that way. We appreciate you. Uh, but joining us right now is Brother Martin uh, Navarra with the Old Blades of St. Augustine. Uh, good morning to you again, Brother Martin. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Before we went to break, I was mentioning that, you know, there are also a common situation where we talk about taking things on. And I kind of want to comment on that for a moment about people. I've heard many priests say things like, well, this year for Lent, maybe not, don't try giving things up, but let's take things on instead. And now I don't say anything wrong with taking things on in terms of absolutely do more uh, for your spiritual life. But there's an element there that I'm kind of uh, uncomfortable with. Uh, what say you, Brother Martin? Yeah, definitely. And I think um, the heart of the matter is our faith already seems very busy and to the point that we make it into just mere activism. You know, we, we just think that living our, our Christian faith is just being busy and just constantly doing things. And actually, the, the, the foundation principle of our Christian life is a conversion of life, is actually changing. You know, conversion meaning turning, turning towards, who do we turn towards? God. And so if we're constantly just doing things uh, for other people, for instance, that's usually what um, a priest like this is, is talking about is, is, oh, just doing the dishes an, an extra day when it's not your turn or doing the laundry or stuff like that. Uh, it just becomes very, very active and you can really forget the reason why you're doing these things. But we all have our duties, our chores throughout life um, that we're doing really without thinking about um, how special they are in the, in the terms of, you know, Our Lady also had to do laundry and all these other things for our Lord um, that we, for, we forget the real reason why we're loving our family. And so something that fasting would do, something that uh, the traditional uh, practices would do for Lent are to 
remind us to put God back into the every little things that we do. Uh, and so it's, it's not so much about taking things on because usually people are busy doing their duties anyway. You know, trying try to find, you know, five, five minutes just to play with their kids at the end of the day can be tough sometimes. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, the other thing that I thought was interesting is whenever you fast, it's so surprising how much more free time you get. I was blown away by this when I first started to do like real fasting where, you know, I didn't actually sit down for a whole meal and it's like, oh, it's just, it's half of my meal, but it still takes time to sit down, go get your food. And this whole right. thing, the whole ritual takes like an hour out of your day. You have to break up your, your, your life and then get back into your work and things like that. Whenever I, I fast throughout the day, I get more done. I'm faster, quicker with that. And I have more free time to do things. And then the question is, what are you going to fill with that time? And so as a single person myself, I, you know, I don't have uh, to go home and play with my kids or things like that or tend to my wife or anything like that. So I asked you the other day, and so I'm going to expose myself for a second. I asked you the other day, I said, brother, uh, what are some, uh, what's a good idea of some spiritual reading to do uh, during the season of Lent that I could take on for myself? And you said, oh, why don't you read the readings for Maddens? And I was like, Brother, that is a great idea. I don't really want to do it because that's, that's a lot to do. Uh, so what would you suggest to, to individuals, to different people uh, to take on in terms of a spiritual reading, filling their time that they may gain from giving things up? I mean, really taking any of the writings from the saints is a good start. Um, like I said, I'm reading right now The Life of uh, St. Anthony Gray, who was a, a great ascetic. So hearing stories about his life is uh, very encouraging. You know, sitting there eating eating my meal, I'm I'm eating something that's uh, probably a lot better than what St. Anthony the Great was eating, you know, locusts or bugs or whatever out in the Egyptian desert, uh, out in the 300s. He's, he was the founder of religious life, the uh, founder of the consecrated life. So, um, well, besides our Lord. But anyway, um, one of the reasons I suggested the, the readings for Matins, and if anybody doesn't know, Matins was the traditional name for office of readings um, for the traditional breviary. It's the, the first office in the in the morning, so to speak, uh, the Benedictine monks are the ones that wake up at midnight to pray this particular office. Um, but usually it's, it's, it's pretty standard. It's three Psalms, three short readings, three Psalms, three short readings, three Psalms, three short readings. And then after that, lauds or morning prayer. But um, what I wanted to uh, share with you, Adrian, was that the church beginning in Septuagesima already starts preparing, um, preparing us for Lent. So much so that the, the divine office, the, the liturgy of the hours actually is, um, connected to the daily mass. And so beginning to Septuagesima, the breviary lessons, what they're called, the readings, are about the history of Adam. And then the, the motive for the mass is like Christ, the new Adam. Sexagesima, which was this past Sunday, is the history of Noah. And then in the mass, the motive is, is Christ, the true Noah. For Quinquagesima, we start reading the history of Abraham. And the motive for the masses that week are Christ, the, the true Abraham. Then for the beginning of Lent, Quadragesima, we have Christ in the desert. And so there's kind of a break um, in the readings there. Um, our Lord going out into the desert to be tempted um, and all that kind of stuff. And the second Sunday of Lent, we, we read the history of Jacob. And the motive for the Mass is Christ the true Jacob. Um, the third Sunday of Lent is the history of Joseph. And then motive for Mass is Christ the true Joseph. And then the fourth Sunday of Lent is the history of Moses, Christ the true Moses. And so there's actually a huge connection uh, between the readings and Matins from the Scripture and uh, what we're actually uh, hearing at Mass and, and really the, the spirituality of Lent. So the church in her liturgy gives us already readings to read. It gives us already a plan 
to prepare ourselves and, and to really come to understand the true Paschal mystery um, that we're preparing for. Because Lent isn't just um, uh, just asceticism for the sake of asceticism here. We're, we're trying to prepare ourselves to, un- to understand something um, that is remarkable, and that is how much Christ loved us to, to the point of death, even death on a cross. Um, so it's all about that. I mean, love itself is, is ascetic. Um, it requires sacrifices and things that we don't want to do. Uh, which is also important when thinking about something uh, to give up is what don't I want to give up? Because that's probably something you should uh, in the, in the sense that I remember so, someone telling me one time, it's like, I, I only do mortifications that I like. I was like <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to admit it. You, you have convicted me. I will pick up Madden's. I'm not going to say that I'm going to be faithful to it because I probably will mess up. Uh, but I will pick it up and I will attempt to to keep faithful to Madden's uh, starting today. Uh, I'll try to do that. So you you have convicted there me, brother. Uh, but no, that that's wonderful. Those are great suggestions. And I guess uh, where if someone wanted to do that, someone was like, you know, brother, that sounds amazing. Going through those uh, typological references of Christ from the Old Testament fulfilled in the New, uh, going through Lent that way sounds amazing to me. How can uh, someone follow along? Do they need to purchase a five hundred dollar book, or how does how where can people find that? Well, there's there's a two thousand uh... dollar. English bravery set completely in English that you, if someone has $2,000 to drop, you could probably look, look for one on eBay. <laughs> um, but the St. Andrew's Daily Missile, the traditional St. Andrew's Daily Missile was kind of where I was pulling this from. And what's great about these missiles, I don't know if you can see it here. No, um, it has a lot of just... liturgical notes that uh, kind of prepare you. And so you, in one sense, all you have to do is get this missile and it tells you where they're, where they're pulling the readings from for Matins. Mm. And so you can go, just go look it up in your Bible because, uh, you know, Catholics read the Bible too, not just Protestants. So um, <laughs> you could, we could do it that way. There's also there's a, a pretty neat website called uh, divinumofficium.com that um, has all these liturgies o- o- online um, from, you know, the – the 1962 breviary to the pre-55 Divino Aflatu breviary, even like a, a 1500s monastic breviary to the, the 1570 breviary from the Council of Trent. All these things online. Wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, so you could just go to that website and, and click uh, Divino Aflatu, which is what's connected to this. And uh, it has Latin and English, so you can just read all the, the daily scriptures right there. You know. Um, also, there's an app called Breviarium Meum that you can get from the App Store. I think it's run by the Franciscans of the Immaculate. Uh, that they actually just pull everything from divinumofficium.com and just put them in or not. Huh, what's the name uh, of the app again? Uh, Breviarium Meum. Breviarium, Breviarium Meum. Yes. Okay, I'm going to find those, and I'm going to leave a link to them. So if you're, watch- if you're listening on the radio, go find our, our live streams, and in the comments I'm going to leave a link to all the things that Brother Martin has mentioned in this, uh, in this part. Uh, but Tito, you had a question? Oh, yes. Hey, Brother Martin, I, I want to put you on the spot a little bit. Could you tell us the distinction between the liturgy, the hours, the breviary, uh, the divine office? About two what? hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. No, um, actually, in, in the Second Vatican Council, um, one of the... For sure, what I disliked about a Sacrosanctum Concilium, particularly from you know a monk's perspective, a prayerful perspective, is that one of the first things that called for um, was a change in the, the breviary, the divine office, with the suppression of the office of prime. It's actually one of my favorites because the office of prime, we go into a, our chapter room, and before the day works, we pray that our, our work um, bears fruit. 
but the uh, the office of matins, I mean, obviously turns into the office of readings, and the liturgy hours basically for uh, for the Novus Ordo got extremely short because they they decided to take what was initially um, born for the monastic life. Um, Saint Benedict lays out you know all the offices in in the rule of Saint Benedict, and they converted it for the life of a busy parish priest. Now there was um, some of these conversions took place uh, earlier in history, like pre Pius X. Um, all of the middle, the daytime offices of, of prime, terse, sext, and known, the, the, the offices that um, are prayed in the middle of the day, they were all the same as psalms, so that priest walking from house to house, doing whatever he had to do, could could recite the, the offices from memory. And so it was, there was already previously in, in church history uh, ways to to, get, to both pray and be busy. Um, but one thing they did after the Second Vatican Council was was cut out a lot of the prayers and so uh, that's one of the things that I noticed whenever I was, I actually used to pray both at the same time because I was in a, a religious community that was, um, put the Novus Ordo together. Um, that one was, was vastly shorter than the other, but also, um, I mean, I think that's, that's one of the main reasons. I mean, it, it's still prayer, obviously. It's still the Psalms. Um, the, the, the divine office, the, the traditional divine office goes through all the Psalms in one week, whereas the Novus Ordo goes through all the Psalms in four weeks. Um, so that's, that's one way they, they cut things down. Um, but the readings more or less, are, I mean, there's still scripture readings. It's still the Psalms, um, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm not saying it's like, a you know, it doesn't work or something, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because, uh, whenever I was, uh, with the Dominican friars, I, I noticed the same thing. And, and even amongst ourselves, we kind of, uh, made the joke, the liturgy, of the hours that we call them, uh, liturgy of the minutes, uh, cause it doesn't, it doesn't take that long to go through. Uh, so it became kind of a, kind of a joke. And same thing with like the, the book of blessings. They, people call it the, the book of well wishes because they kind of just says a lot of nice things. Um, but that's yeah. kind of the, uh, insider jokes among, among people in seminaries and things like that that you'll hear. Uh, but so that's a little inside baseball for you guys. But thank you very much, brother Martin, for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having yes. me. I really enjoyed this. Absolutely. Thank we'll have thanks to have you back. God bless you. God love you. And that'll conclude our first hour. If you want to join us, you can stay on for the next hour. We're going to be talking about, well, first we're going to be having our game show, Fear and Trembling, where you can win some prizes, as well as we're going to be talking about ivory tower education. Why does it matter? All this and more coming up in one moment. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early Church Fathers ever wrote anything 
anything like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching at the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Roman's road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Roman's road has some potholes. Marty, the TRN is raffling off a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. Whoa, Doc, that's heavy. What, are we going to have to like go back in time to get tickets? Not at all, Marty. Just call 888-784-3476 or go to grnonline.com. We better hurry, Marty. The drawing takes place February 24th, the year 2023. We really need one of those smartphones, Doc. In your car, at the office, or in your home, we're always here. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, my name's Alyssa Vigil from St. Ignatius of Loyola Catholic Community. And you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Can you believe it? It's February 15th. Be so blessed to Jordan of Saxony. I love Jordan of Saxony. He's one of the patrons of the Dominican Order. He was known uh, to be able to, to bring so many. Every time he would preach, people would hide their family members because their sons and their and even husbands were just so enthralled with the preaching of blessed Jordan of Saxony that they all wanted to join the Dominicans after hearing him preach. It's pretty amazing. Gotcha. Where are those people today? I wonder. You know, the conversation we just had with Brother Martin with the Old Blades of St. Augustine, I highly recommend checking it out, their website, Old Blades of St. Augustine. Uh, there, if you go there, you can actually find an interview I did with Brother Martin that he put up there on, on the tab, I think is under Vocations. If you look there, you can actually find an interview I did with him, which is a long form on his uh, religious community. If you want to hear about that situation, uh, Brother Martin is a good friend of mine. He uh, drove through Houston not that long ago, and uh, he and I grabbed breakfast together because he's, he's uh, I forget where he is now. He's up north somewhere, but he has some uh, donors uh, to his community that live in the in Texas, so he comes by every once in a while. And so we, we get brunch whenever he comes by. Uh, so he's, he's a great, great guy. Uh, maybe we'll have him back on in the future. But uh, what did you think about today's topics, Tito? I think it was very helpful considering Lance just around the corner and King Gessema's coming up. <clears throat> his his uh, thoughts of what he does and what the religious life does as Augustinians were very insightful. Uh, I learned a new word today, collation. Too sm- I, I didn't know there was a word for having Two meals. Two equal. small meals that don't equal a third meal. <laughs> Correct. Yes. I, I, this is, About our Catholic faith, we could spend every moment of our lives studying it until we die, and, I, and we can only scratch 1% of the surface. There's just, it's, we're just so, it's just so rich, so beautiful, so much to learn. If only I could learn Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. I, I could be like uh, Lapide. I was just thinking when you were talk, when you were reading the notes from Lapide, it's just 
these scholars, these ancient scholars, and, and, and some scholars today, too, are just like Scott Hahn. Uh, the amount of wisdom that comes forth whenever they speak is just beautiful. It's incredible. Pope Benedict comes to mind, too. So, Adrian, are you going to wake up at midnight? Whew. Oh, I woke up at midnight today. Yeah, today I... Uh, hey, you're going to pray Madden's, right? Tonight. Oh, uh, well, maybe. We'll see. Uh, not at midnight. <laughs> uh, Brother Martin doesn't wake up at midnight to do it. <laughs> that's, a, that's pretty much only the Benedictines only the nowadays. Nowadays. <laughs> so, so you're going to... Split- the Dominicans used to. The who? Dom- Dominicans used to oh, wake okay. up. They did the canonical hours. They would wake up at midnight to do Madden's. I, 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 that's... Wow, that's incredible. That's, yeah, they don't do that anymore, though. So in the middle of your four-hour sleep at night, you're going to split it by waking up from yes, Madden. Yes, exactly. So when you go to totally. bed at 10 and get 100%. up at 10. Yeah, Absolutely. wow. Now, it's actually really cool. Brother Martin mentioned uh, uh which that website, they actually have the Dominican breviary on there, too. Because people, most people don't know that Dominicans actually have their own breviary. Their own um, liturgy. They have their own mass, yeah. They have their own liturgy, the Dominican Rite Mass. And most people don't know that either, but uh, they they have their own uh, their own divine office, and it is really cool. So I love it. I pray the the Dominican Compline uh, most nights because uh, I just think it's so it's so beautiful. Uh, but no, I sorry, Rudy. I don't think I'm gonna. I don't think I'm gonna wake up at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> you track that. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna probably gonna avoid that. I did today though. I for some reason I just I woke up and my stomach was killing me. So. I woke up and uh, I got up at midnight and I was able to go back to bed like 30 minutes later. But that was that was annoying. Was it the pink bagels you had for lunch yesterday, maybe? Uh, maybe. Probably not. Uh, it was probably something else. Probably uh, something I ate, but probably not that. Uh, you know, I wanted to talk about ivory towers. Uh, many times people will just kind of dismiss academia as something that doesn't really matter. They will say, oh, who cares, your ivory tower? Who cares about the philosophies being taught in your schools? Who cares about all that? It's just these philosophers coming up with these strange ideas. You know, it was, was it uh, Cicero or was it, uh, I think it was Cicero who said that there's, there's no uh, philosophy that's so strange that a, that a philosopher has thought of it. Um, <laughs> it. It originated all the way over there. And that's, you know, echoed in Ecclesiasticus. Uh, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, so all these ideas, they've, they've been around, they've been around the block a couple of times, but we should care about what's in, that's being taught in universities, even if we think that it's crazy, even if we think it's high flutin, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it's just being taught in schools. It, it matters because of two reasons. One, nowadays, every single person goes to school. Um, the vast majority of young people are basically forced into universities they are forced into taking all this massive debt and take these classes. So one, you most most people are going to be educated this way. But even historically, even before this, how you you think, okay, who were these great philosophers of the past that got us to where we were? And you think, okay, Roger Bacon, Rene Descartes, uh, Immanuel Kant, David Hume, all these philosophers. And you may think, I may have heard that name once, maybe. Uh, but I don't know anything about them, so why should I care about them? Why should I care what they had to say? Why should I care to learn anything about anything related to that? And the answer is, how do you think those ideas got us to where we are today? The answer is, the people 
of that time, it was the aristocrats, the people, the movers and shakers who went to universities. And those people were being taught by these people. And so they imbued with those ideas, especially the merchant class that kind of traveled and traded and bought and sold. Those people were traveling around and they were educated by these people. And when they were educated by these people, they were able to spread their ideas. Obviously, they weren't telling the peasants, oh, David Hume said, because they have no <laughs> idea who David Hume is. Uh, but we see it today because you see it today, people echoing the word, the ideas of gender ideology, of critical race theory. And they may not say, oh, but David Angelo said or whatever, or Robert Angelo, whatever the guy's name is, um, and quoting all these people to you. They like say, oh, but the famous first wave feminist uh, philosopher said, no, but they just imbibe these ideas because it gets trickled down. It gets simplified and then brought out to the masses. And so that's why those ideas have, uh, ultimately matter. What do you think, Tito? Yeah, it's downstream from culture. What happens in, in the ivory towers does matter, and and that's why we need to engage the faith. We need to engage the world. We need to change them. Too many times I, I've seen lay people and clergy allow the world to change them, and we need to be active. And anyone out there, you know, wanting to study philosophy or has potential. Learn your faith, study the catechism, memorize the Bible maybe, and uh, be prepared to uh, <clears throat> fight for, for the faith if you ever get into any of those highfalutin ivory towers studying philosophy. Descartes is one of the ones that uh, has really harmed the Western world. Karl Marx is another, Engels before him. A lot of these ideas, even though the Soviet Union, the communist countries have collapsed, they're still out there. They they spread and we're still suffering the consequences. You no, you, yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. And like you said, that people who might be disposed to these ideas, why not join? Uh, why not go and teach at universities? Go and be these kind of people. It, it's a it's a cross to bear, especially nowadays, because it's just so difficult at university. It's so bad. But you know, I can honestly say, and many people may remember Dr. Theodore Rebard because I've had him on the show. A few times, uh, most recently, I had him on for Thanksgiving. We did a show on, on gratitude uh, with Dr. Theodore Rebard. And uh, Dr. Rebard, he, you, if you talk to you, Gabriel Castillo, for instance, uh, Gabriel Castillo, if you know who Gabriel Castillo is, uh, with Gabi After Hours, we've hit, had him on the show a dozen times. You ask Gabriel Castillo what inspired him to be the way he is, he'll tell you it was actually Dr. Rebard. And so your professors have a profound effect on you. It can change your life even if they're good professors. If they're bad professors, they can change your life maybe for the worse. That's why you see good, wholesome people, good kids raising good families go off to college and come back insane, come back with blue hair, pierced faces, tattoos everywhere, and uh, they come back and they're just like, how did they end up this way? What did I do wrong? And it's the universities. And so a good professor, though, has the ability to change everything because then you imbibe those ideas. The same thing goes for our seminarians. Ever thought of that? Where is our seminarians being taught? Who's teaching our seminarians? Because those ideas are what they are learning and what they're imbibing. So when people will say things like, you know better than father? Well, I don't know. Where did father go to seminary? What did he study? What, did, what was his education like? I've talked to many priests who all they know is the historical critical method. And so whenever you hear them talk about sacred scripture, it's all 
oh, yes, uh, we don't know if that really happened. And so this is what we can do. We can analyze it this way, and it kind of can teach us this. But they don't have the ideas of the way the Catholic Church has always interpreted Scripture. And so those things matter. The people who are teaching at our universities, teaching at our seminaries, really and truly matter. Yes, definitely. They, uh, an example is the French Revolution. A lot of ideas percolating around that time that, that brought about the, the reign of terror. The, when people compare that to the American Revolution, that's, that's, there is no comparison. It was a bloodbath. And who inspired, what did the French Revolution inspire? Vladimir Lenin. When he went and brought communism to Russia, uh, what did he say about uh, educating the masses? He said, oh, we might have to experience a few deaths here or there. He was inspired by, by the, the French Revolution. And, then, uh, and from what happened from the Russian Revolution, we've got contraception. We've got uh, euthanasia. We've, we've got all these... Some of these dastardly ideas, roots in the Russian Revolution, down all the way to the French Revolution, we're still suffering the effects of what happened back in 1784. So yes, it is important. People might foo-foo philosophy, but it is an important topic for those that are being taught. Because as Adrian was saying, they percolate. They're, they get imbibed with the staff. And unbeknownst to them, they spout such bad ideas such as that. Well, it, it, the, our fire alarm just went off. Um, I don't know if someone wants to check to make sure there's not an actual fire going on because I didn't know that they didn't hear anything about a fire alarm or a, a test happening today. So hopefully there's no fire. If there is, we'll probably evacuate. Well, we're not probably. We will. We will walk out. We won't have a uh, choice. Yeah. But, the, uh, but yeah, so those ideas are serious. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day... All these ideas, all these philosophies, they really do matter because here's another thing. We talked about this in the past, AI. All those ideas of AI, they are created and they are put into the system. And the AI system is geared towards answering questions the way the programmer is programming it. And so if you have a Catholic idea, a Catholic philosophy, and that is programmed into it, you're going to get good things. But if you have bad philosophies, you have bad ideas, bad logic plugged into these systems, whenever you search things, whenever you ask it things, it's going to give you bad things. This is how we have created all these false philosophies, these false ideas that originated, you see in like in movies like Terminator and things like that, how does Skynet and things like that, how does things like that end up that way? Or iRobot, those kind of things. It's because they're programming those ideas into it. Because robots don't have free will. They can only do what you tell them to do. And that's it. Nothing else. And people kind of make the mistake of thinking that they have greater power than they really do. And uh, the fire alarm just went off, so that's good. I, that's a it's slightly uh, nerve-wracking, but praise be to God. I'm glad it's uh, it's over. Hopefully that was just a false alarm. I, I didn't know. I didn't hear anything about a fire alarm going off today. So that's slightly concerning, but I'm glad it's off. Uh, but nope, that, that's kind of the idea that I wanted to bring up about the ivory towers, that we should we should care about them. We should worry about it, and we should try to change them if we can. Let's pray for our good professors in our university systems. Uh, but we're going to jump into our game show, Fear and Trembling. 
You can call 877-757-9424. Call now to join our game show, 877-757-9424. That's the number to call if you want to be our contestant, 877-757-9424. You can call now and be our contestant, 877-757-9424. Holy raffle, Batman! The GRN is raffling off a Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. If we win, that could be our new Batmobile. Great idea, Robin. Uh, How do we get tickets? Easy, Batman. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Tickets are $25 for one or $100 for five. I knew you were good for something. Quick, hand me my bat phone. I promise to love you in good times and in bad, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. On your wedding day, you made this vow to your spouse in the presence of God and all those present. These are not words to be taken lightly. And the reality is that the responsibilities of marriage and family can be challenging at times. Good times can become bad in the blink of an eye. Things like financial hardship and sickness, among others, very often bring about fears and anxieties that make it difficult to be a as loving as we should be. There is a simple Latin phrase to keep on hand when fear and anxiety take over our thoughts. Quid est hoc ad aeternitatum? What is this in the light of eternity? In other words, keep things in proper perspective. While the challenges here on this earth seem like a big deal at the moment, they are but a flash in the pan compared to all of eternity in heaven. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. Check us out on Facebook. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. is a number to call to be on our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we are going to give out prizes today, and you could win them. Uh, All you have to do is dial the number 877-757-9424, and if you do not make it onto the game show today, well, don't fret. Don't you worry. Uh, We still have two more opportunities this week. Uh, that would be tomorrow and Friday, where we can have you on the game show. All you have to do is dial the number tomorrow if you don't make it on. And let me give you a, a little sneak peek or a, a hack, a life hack, one might say. All you have to do is go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And if you go there, you can actually find our contact information, our our phone number there. And when you do, write it down, put it in speed dial, put it in your phone, and you can call us to be the first caller on the line if you so desire. So you can do that by going to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. 
And do you know how to play the game? So the game is very simple, very straightforward. I'm going to ask three questions to Rudy and Tito, and it's their job to tell me whether uh, the, uh, or their job is to answer the question, and it's your job to tell me whether they are right or wrong. So one of them is going to give you a right answer, one of them is going to give you a wrong answer, and it's your job to discern who is tricking you. Is it Rudy? Is it Tito? And that is how we're going to play the game. But we're going to be giving out prizes this week. Uh, Tito, what could they win? They could win a CDD prize pack. Uh, as long as they answer one of the three questions correctly, their name gets dropped in the Dropbox for our drawing on Friday. Very cool. Very cool. So you could be entered. And you know what's really cool, too, is our friend uh, Alan Smith is actually sending us a book to give away. So if you want a one of the Fulton Sheen books that we talked about, we may be giving that away into our prize pack this week, too. So make sure you uh, are calling in this week to win this week's prize. Uh, but joining us right now uh, by phone is Evan. Good morning to you, Evan. Hi. Hi, Evan. Where are you calling from? Uh, Shirts, Texas. Shirts, Texas. Very nice. Very nice. Is that that's over by? Is that the Midland area? Um, I don't know. It's by San Antonio. Oh, by San Antonio. Okay, okay. I I know where that is. Very, very cool, Evan. Uh, Evan, where are you off to today? Uh, school. School. Uh, what grade are you in? You're, you're a sophomore in college now? No, I'm in seventh grade. Oh, seventh grade. Okay, that's, I, was, I was close, um, like by half. I was about, about close by half. Uh, where do you go to school? Uh, Corbett, junior high. Very cool, very cool. What's your favorite subject? My favorite subject is Science. Science. Good so deal. We're going to have a scientist on our hands. Note to self, Evan, uh, book him for a guest in five years. Uh, talk about science. Okay. Uh, thanks, Evan, for that. Uh, Evan, have you decided what you're doing for Lent yet? For Lent? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to give up video games. Nice. Got to uh, cut the cord, as one might say. You can uh, t- make that sacrifice. I know that would have been a... Huge sacrifice for for my brother at your age. I, I don't know how much more my brother plays video games anymore. I don't think he does anymore that much. He might. I don't know. I have to ask him. But that's very cool, Evan. Evan, are you familiar with how the game works? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So all you have to do is discern who's tricky. Is it Tito? Is it Rudy? Uh, do you have any inclination of uh, who here is trickier? I don't know. Well, you're going to have to be, uh, oh, there goes the it's fire the alarm. fire again. alarm that's tricky. That fire alarm is tricky. So you're going to have to uh, battle through the fire alarm, uh, Evan. But let's, I'm sure you're going to be able to do it. But let's uh, jump in with the first question. We'll go to Rudy. Uh, Rudy, are you ready? <laughs> you are ready. Praise be to God. Despite the fact that this fire alarm goes on and off and it's off again. It's I don't get it. I don't understand. I, should I be evacuating? I don't know. Should I be concerned? Pray for us, dear the listener. fire isn't sure if it wants to stay or go. Yeah, it's rising and then it's like, you know what? <laughs> I'll come back after the show's over. Uh, it's very considerate fire, to be yeah, honest. Very considerate. Uh, but the question for you, Rudy, is what was Moses' sister's name? Moses' sister, Betty, and unfortunately, mm, Betty, she didn't make it onto the boat. Oh, <sighs> She didn't make it onto the ark. Poor Betty, rest in peace. Pour some wow. out for her. Remember her today. Rip. Yeah, rest in peace. All right. Well, that's a interesting answer there from Rudy. But Tito, the question is, 
What was Moses' sister's name? Moses' sister's name, who did make it on the ark, I'm not what? <laughs> is Miriam. Miriam. That's not what I read. Okay. Well, Evan, uh, this question is, is very interesting, if you ask me, because uh, Rudy says that Moses's notice Moses's sister's name is Betty, who did not make it onto the ark. Moses, ark, interesting. <laughs> and uh, Tito uh, seems to think that the answer is Miriam. That is a very interesting answer as well. What say you, Evan? Is it Tito? Is it Rudy? Who's trying to trick you? Who's telling the truth? Evan, what say you? Tito. Tito. Nailed ah, it. I can't very trick good. Evan. Wow. I can't trick him. <laughs> Way to go, Evan. You know, it's funny. Uh, the Quran conflates Miriam, the you sister, the, the sister of Moses, and the Blessed Virgin Mary in the Quran. And so that's one of the, the things that are incorrect in the Quran. They accidentally, uh, Muhammad accidentally conflated the two. So interesting factoid there. Uh, but let's go on to question number two. You did very good, Evan, on your first question. Are you ready for the second one, Evan? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Uh, let's go with Tito. Tito, are you I'm ready? ready You're ready, sir. Okay, perfect. Let's jump into this question. What, who is the patron saint of Taylor's? Patron saint of Taylor's. I'd say Saint Joaquin. Saint Joaquin. I think I know him. He's the guy who does my suits. Yep. I think so. Uh, I, I think that might be him. Uh, I'm just kidding. I don't get my clothes tailored. 30 for 100? 30 for 100? Uh, no, nah, I'm going to be honest. I don't get my clothes tailored. I should, probably should, though. I can tell. I heard it's way. not that expensive. <laughs> uh, maybe I, I should take my pants in and get them um, add, get a, added the, the loops so I can wear suspenders on them. That'd be cool. Oh, yeah, That'd be cool. Maybe I should do that. Uh, but you said it is St. Joaquin? Yes, St. Joaquin. All right. St. Joaquin. Rudy? Same question. Who is the patron saint of Taylor's? Patron saint of Taylor's, that's going to be St. Martin of Tours. St. Martin of Tours. Mm -hmm. You may have uh, seen him in a random restaurant one mm. time. They have a statue of him up there. They do tend Along, to have them, especially Mexican alongside, restaurants. Alongside uh, like one of those uh, <laughs> lucky Asian cats and uh, all, all kinds of other <laughs> pagan statues. It's kind of but, weird. Uh, kind of yeah. weird how they do that. So ecumenical. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> With the patron saint of Taylor's... Uh, Rudy seems to think it's St. Martin of Taylor, I mean, uh, Tours, St. Martin of Tours, uh, whereas Tito seems to think that it's my uh, tailor, St. Joaquin. And, of tuxedos. Uh, the mm -hmm. guy who does does my suits. Uh, Evan, what say you? Is it Tito? Is it Rudy? Who's being tricky? What say you, Evan, 15 seconds on the clock? Rudy. Rudy. Are you sure? Nailed it! Look at that. He tried to trick you. He tried to trip you Goodness up. Goodness gracious, that's but, good. But you did not fall for it, Evan. Evan that wasn't a rhetorical question. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Evan. You nailed it. You got that uh, your name in the drawing twice now in the coffee cup of divine providence. Uh, are you ready for question number three, Evan? Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Let's jump in. This might be the hardest question we've had ever on the history of of Catholic Drive Time, just so you know. So be prepared. The question is going to you, Rudy. Complete the fourth beatitude. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after justice. 
Alright, the continuation of that is For they shall have their enemies' heads For they shall have their enemies' heads mm -hmm. yeah. Very poetic, very beautiful yeah. uh, It's well known, our Lord talked about that kind of thing uh, Let's jump into Tito Tito, same thing, same question Complete the fourth beatitude Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after justice For they shall be filled for they shall be filled. Very interesting. Okay. Well, Evan, this is a very tricky question. I don't know how you're going to be able to get this. But the question is, finish the fourth beatitude. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after justice. Rudy seems to think the answer is, for they shall have, what was it? Be, they have their heads? The, the heads of their enemies. They shall have the heads of their enemies. That makes sense. Hungering and thirst after justice. Adrian doesn't read the Bible. He didn't remember. I, I'm Catholic. Uh, Tito says <laughs> that it's for they shall be filled. Is that right, Tito? Yep. Okay. For they shall be filled. Evan, what say you? Is it Rudy? Is it Tito? What say you, Evan? I say Rudy is wrong. You say Rudy is wrong. <laughs> okay, that, there you go. Way to go, Evan. Wow. Three is... for three. I thought for sure you're going to get that last one wrong. That was a very tricky question. I, I definitely would have got it wrong. Much, much applause to you. Much applause to you, Evan. Well, Evan, congratulations. Thank you. Was it hard? Was it easy? Well, it was a little bit of both. Okay. We'll, we'll, Evan, we'll put that it, right there in the medium. What does it feel like to be such a winner? No, it feels good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Evan. Well, thank you for calling in. And now you have some fun facts to take with you to class today. Remember, Moses' sister's name was Miriam. St. Martin of Tours is the patron saint of tailors. And the fourth beatitude, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after justice, for they shall be filled. Well, God bless you, Evan. Thank you for calling in. And stay on the line. We'll be able to get your contact information if we haven't already done so. So I'm going to put you on hold. But God bless you, and have a great school day. All right. You too. All righty, Evan. I'm putting you on hold. God bless you. God love you. And God bless you, listener, because we are going into our after show. You can join us. Just hop on to our social media streams, YouTube, Facebook, Odyssey, Rumble, there you can find us, and we can chat with you directly. All you have to do is find us there. If not, we'll see you back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
victory alone. Hark the songs of peaceful Zion, thunder like a mighty flood. Jesus, out of every nation, has redeemed us by his blood. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who teach us that you abide in hearts that are just and true, grant that we may be so fashioned by your grace as to become a dwelling pleasing to you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the hatch he made in the ark, and he sent out a raven to see if the waters had lessened on the earth. It flew back and forth until the waters dried off from the earth. Then he sent out a dove to see if the waters had lessened on the earth. But the dove could find no place to alight and perch, and it returned to him in the ark, for there was water all over the earth. Putting out his hand, he caught the dove and drew it back to him inside the ark. He waited seven days more and again sent the dove out from the ark. In the evening, the dove came back to him, and there in its bill was a plucked-off olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had lessened on the earth. He waited still another seven days and then released the dove once more, and this time it did not come back. In the six hundred and first year of Noah's life, in the first month, on the first day of the month, the water began to dry up on the earth. Noah then removed the covering of the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was drying up. Noah built an altar to the Lord, and choosing from every clean animal and every clean bird, he offered burnt offerings on the altar. When the Lord smelled the sweet odor, he said to himself, Never again will I doom the earth because of man, since the desires of man's heart are evil from the start. Nor will I ever again strike down all living beings as I have done. As long as the earth lasts, seed time and harvest, cool and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. 
The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. To you, Lord, I will offer a sacrifice of praise. To you, Lord, I will offer a sacrifice of praise. How shall I make a return to the Lord for all the good he has done for me? The cup of salvation I will take up, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. To you, O Lord, I will offer a sacrifice of praise. My vows to the Lord I will pay in the presence of all his people. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the, is the death of his faithful ones. To you, O Lord, I will offer a sacrifice of praise. My vows to the Lord I will pay in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. To you, O Lord, I will offer a sacrifice of praise. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. May the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ enlighten the eyes of our hearts, that we may know what is the hope that belongs to his call. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. When Jesus and his disciples arrived in Bethsaida, people brought to him a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Putting spittle on his eyes, he, he laid his hands on the man and asked, Do you see anything? Looking up, the man replied, I see people looking like trees and walking. Then he laid hands on the man's eyes a second time, and he saw clearly. His sight was restored, and he could see everything distinctly. Then he sent him home and said, Do not even go into the village. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus The Gospel of Mark is the only one that records a kind of, well, not double healing, but it's something that doesn't, doesn't uh, complete, it's not completed on the first try, but it's completed on the second. You might think, does Jesus not have the power to heal man? It really has something, it's even, even more beautiful and astounding, why this man is sort of healed in stages. We're almost to the very middle of the Gospel of Mark. And the Gospel of Mark really begins with Jesus, the Son of God. And in some ways, the bookend, the other side of it is, or one, one way that, that it's this, the, the other except bookend, if I can get that word out right, is uh, the centurion at the foot of the cross says, truly this man was the Son of God. And right in the middle, right, right after we have the gospel today, is the transfiguration, where Jesus goes up the mountain with Peter, James, and John, and he reveals his glory. See, up to this point, Jesus has been, there's all these indicators and signs. Jesus heals, heals the deaf and the mute. He feeds the hungry. He gives the good news to the poor. He, heal, he helps the blind to see. All these things are pointing to who Jesus is. 
But for the disciples, you might remember in yesterday's gospel, they thought it was because they had no bread that Jesus said, beware the, the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Herodians. But what Jesus really is really, uh, in the, but their hearts were hardened. They weren't quite ready to receive everything. So everything's not quite clear for them, but it will become clear. And that's why Jesus sort of heals this man in stages as a way of saying to us that he's going, it's going to be manifest more and more clearly as time goes by. See, first he sees people, this blind man sees people like trees and walking, but then he sees clearly and distinctly. Something that has happened in our own life in terms of discernment. I think it's interesting when we look at that first reading from the book of Genesis, Noah, who has been so faithful to God, he sends out this dove, this bird, every few times in order to see whether it, in other words, is it ready to, to leave the ark. And so he sends it out once and the, the dove comes back. So it reminds me one time I was listening to the, the Houston Rockets uh, basketball game on the radio and the announcer, the, one of the Rockets players, he's coming past half court and he throws the ball up to, at, the, at the end of the quarter and the announcer says he puts up a prayer, no answer. <laughs> Sometimes maybe we, that's what we think when we offer prayers to God and we're asking for something, for clarity in something. But rather, see, he puts out the dove, the dove comes back, but then he sends it out again, throwing it in a way, putting that petition out to the Lord, uh, looking for a response, looking for clarity. And the bird, the second time, comes back, the dove comes back with that olive branch. So now Noah knows that, it is, that the water is receding, but he's not ready to leave yet. He has to do it again, and then, then the dove doesn't come back, and Noah begins to realize, okay, it is almost time to come out. Then he has to wait for the water to receive enough so that he doesn't fall into the mud. And finally, what is it? He offers that sacrifice of praise to the Lord that is so pleasing that God makes this deep promise that he would not destroy the earth again by water. God is faithful to that promise. In a similar way, and kind of like what we hear in the gospel, when we are discerning something, we throw that petition out to the Lord to see if, and not, not if that he hears us, but whether the Lord is ready to give a response. We have to have that patience of Noah, Noah as well, that the Lord will respond in deep faith. We know that we will have the clarity that we need in order to make a good decision. But sometimes we have to wait, and we keep having to ask the Lord for deeper clarity. We know that we will, if, if we have that deep faith and patience, we know that we will see that the Lord will truly answer our prayers. It just may not be right at this exact moment. The, the Lord knows what he's doing. And, but when, when, he, when he answers, when the Lord reveals, we will see clearly and distinctly. Let us bring now our prayers and petitions before our Heavenly Father. Let's pray for peace in the world. Let's pray also for the Holy Catholic Church, that it may be an ever more transparent witness of the transforming power of the gospel. We pray to the Lord. We pray in this time of Eucharistic revival that we may be deepened in our love for the Eucharist. We pray to the Lord. In our troubled times, we pray that the Lord would answer all of our, all of our prayers, especially our prayers for peace, and for, especially those who are struggling in any way 
through being homeless or unemployed, who are sick and who are dying. Lord, console him with his healing power, we pray to the Lord. We pray for all those who have died, for all the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace, we pray to the Lord. We pray for those who are discerning their vocation in life, whether to the priesthood, religious life, or to holy matrimony, that they would have clarity in their discernment, we pray to the Lord. For all those who are joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, for all those who are enrolled in our Salt Mass Association, for their intentions, we pray to the Lord. Heavenly Father, hear the prayers we bring you this day and answer them according to your holy will, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine, a work of human hands, it will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May this oblation, O Lord, we pray, we pray, cleanse and renew us, and may it become for those who do your will the source of eternal reward, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For although you have no need of our praise, Yet our thanksgiving is itself your gift. Since our praises add nothing to your greatness, but profit us for salvation through Christ our Lord. And so in the company of, with the choirs of angels, we praise you, and with joy we proclaim, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he 
who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of our Lord, of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, save us, Savior of the world. For by your cross and resurrection, you have set us free. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we, who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who were pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. 
There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, the glory, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And suffer to the sign of peace. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy you should enter under my roof. But only say the word, and my soul shall be. those who are unable to receive our Lord sacramentally in Holy Communion, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
Oh Lord, I am not worthy that Thou shouldst come to me, but speak the word of comfort, my spirit healed shall be, and humbly I'll receive Thee, the bridegroom of my soul. No more by sin to grieve Thee, or fly Thy sweet control. Let us pray. Having fed upon these heavenly delights, we pray, O Lord, that we may always long for that food by which we truly live, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. The mighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita Dulcedo, Hespes Nostra Salve, A Te clamamus, Exules Filii Hebe, A Te Suspiramus, Genentes et Flentes, In hoc lacrimarum Bave, Eha Ergo, Arvocata Nostra, Hilos Tuos, Misericordes Oculos, Ad nos converte, et Jesu, benedictum frutum ventris tui, nobis post hoc exilium, post The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Spreading the splendor of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
Tracy Sanchez from San Augustine Catholic School.